Podcast. is Bruce. This is John. This is Blix. This is Trav. This is Tahoka. <laughs> Welcome to the TriTac Games Podcast, your podcast of welcoming in our robot masters as they make the world a better place by getting rid of us. And Wait. you can bite my middle butt. <laughs> All, the, all those Bender jokes. Welcome to the TriTech Games Podcast. We, this week we are talking about Richard's uh, newest game uh, called Eradicator. That's human plus Eradicator. This is the uh, story of the robot, the beginning of the robot uprising that's to, to basically eliminate all human life on the planet. Well, at least all the human society, re- replacing humans as the dominant life form on the planet. So this came out, uh, you said uh, 2014, right, Trav? Yeah, it came out last year. Okay. It's available in a PDF format uh, directly from the TriTechGames.com website. And you can get it in the PDF or a signed print edition from Rich, uh, by Richard uh, from that site. Or downloadable, as always. So what we're going to do is that we're going to basically go over this, the core material here, because uh, we don't want to do it all. Otherwise, why would you buy the product, right? And hopefully we'll add um, some, uh, some value to it uh, by uh, our personal ruminations on the on the uh, product and and the uh, situation uh, as we look through the material ourselves that's right we're good at ruminating stuff because the big green is interested in the all these robots becoming eco-friendly these robots could have to stop using uh, fossil fuels it would have to find some type of clean power source which means the ais mm-hmm. are going to develop enough intelligence they'll find cold fusion and make or or, 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 or even or, photovoltaic collector. yeah solar collector yeah. photovoltaic well that that means that some of the bigger smarter ones will start working on especially ones for the, for the industrial complex start working on better batteries right that too. Uh, <laughs> better batteries fuel cells things like that and also, once you kill off 90% of the humans, the actually uh, the amount of resources that are being used, you know, the, all that solar collecting can now go into the robots instead of, you know, all the other things it was being used for. Yeah, all the solar uh, farms uh, out in Arizona and uh, all that. Yeah. Actually, no number was actually given on how many humans they want to kill off. Is it is it 90% or is it? I'm making a big number because that's that, that's the the, the classic uh, decimation. Killing all but 10% is not eradication. 
you know, the Germans wanted to kill every last one of them. That was genocide. <laughs> Where the robots are laying, uh, you know, have control, it doesn't have to necessarily be good for humans anymore. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, we've never really used beam power because it was bad for humans to get in the way of the microwave beam. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. But robots don't have that problem. A, they, they're pretty resistant to it. And secondly, you know, they, they know where the, they can probably see the, the beam lines and whatever. And uh, so when you, you know, there, there could be, uh, you know, places where like you normally would be tossing your, uh, uh, your phone to recharge, it'll automatically, you, know, you have places like that for the robots to charge themselves. So I, I imagine that there's probably going to be a lot of places in in the cities that remain that are very unhealthy for humans just from the environment. If they do induction charging, then it, it's fairly, you just need induction pads in their feet and they just walk on top of the pads and they get recharged. Well, is, it, is that magnetic or what? Yeah, it works. Yeah, it works. Basically, you know, induction it works through an electrical induction. You know, basically, a magnetic field comes up and runs through them, and it's much more energy efficient than beaming power through the air. And the robots are all about efficiency. You know, besides, they may hit a bird. Being green does not mean that no no sparrow may fall from the sky. Okay, it's all about balance, John. You know, there is the cycle of life. Animals do die. But like I said, they probably would go for – they would definitely would go for uh, better batteries, uh, room temperature superconductors, which makes them far more far more capable at that point. If they had those. If they had well, – no, we actually – they found – this is – very conceivable, had, yeah. No, they actually have found some stuff that came, has come close to room temperature now. They're, right. they're, they're working out why – how superconducting works, and now they're trying to, and they're getting closer to room temperature superconductors. Yeah, one of one of the technologies is using um, graphene sheets yeah. of graphene. Okay, assuming you had one of these induction pads, okay, and you wanted to charge up something with the to the equivalent of an electric car battery capacity, and you wanted to do it in a few minutes. It, the pad, the pad would have to, the pad you drive on would have to be about the size of the car. Well, yeah, we know that, but the point here is, is that how much power are we talking about in order to do that kind of induction and would and would that be inimicable to a human walking onto that same pad uh no it would it, it'd be inimical to a human to be in the threes or fours of tesla we're talking you know te- tesla is the, is the measurement of of uh magnetic uh, the magnetic fields most neodymium don't even get to one tesla the, the really super magnets you know, you get to really high and you need superconducting magnets to get to really high levels. Well, I, I know there's a, a a place where they've got like the the biggest, most powerful magnets. I mean, these and, and you, you, the guys that work there, they literally cannot have anything anything on their bodies that's even remotely metallic. Okay, but it doesn't hurt them at all, even though there's like hum, you know humongous amount of gauzes you know of of of, of magnetic power running through that place. Yeah. What about the iron talking- in your blood? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But you're talking. You're talking about at least probably 14 Tesla. That's enough to induce uh, currents in your brain. You would basically be fried. 
Okay, so that's way over what would be necessary to charge up these these robots, right? Okay, well, then actually I take it back. Uh, There won't be uh, – the only reason there would be dangerous places in cities would be because they laid traps for the humans. Now, you have to be careful because you don't want too much – I'm going to say it ain't going to be minutes, but maybe like half an hour because if you did in minutes, there's a chance you just make the car go and crush at that point from the magnetic field going through it. So you, you don't want too much, but you want enough to do it. So maybe, you know, 10, 15 minutes, not, not, not two minutes, but you know, it's still going to take a, a it'll still take some breathing room while the robots recharge themselves. Yeah. And but, you can take out a dodge. You know what though? Not when, every, when, every, they would have universal batteries, different sizes, and they'd swap them. It would be a thing. They robot would walk over, get a new battery. That actually is even more efficient. <laughs> Go ahead, Peter. I was going to say, you don't need to be, uh, you don't even need to use magnetics. You can have, um, I don't know if you guys know this, but like under power lines, under when they're transferring l- large amounts of power over long oh. distances, if you stand anywhere near those power lines, you can draw current just out of the air. So yeah, they that, can, that's they induction. Yep, yeah, they could actually yeah, that, induce their electricity. Yeah, when we say magnets, I'm actually talking about electromagnets. Basically, just well, running okay. current through wires and creating a magnetic field. That right, way. okay. All right, so basically the same thing. And it's a pulsing magnetic field because otherwise you don't actually – actually won't be able to transfer energy. It has to pulsate, so therefore you create a current and the other thing. Well, what I'm thinking yes, is, we, is that – Yes, we're getting real technical here, yes. What, what, I'm, what I'm thinking is, is that the robots, they could, they could rewire the cities so that, mm-hmm. um, so that you, know, you have powerful power lines transfer transporting energy back and forth to different places but they could be built to constantly be recharging all day long yeah or like richard said you know you also swap out batteries he, he walk, sure. walks up puts puts something puts this back in the wall yanks out his battery pack shoves in a new one right and off he goes with a fully set charged battery so and not only I, that, actually, but- that, well that makes more sense for the ones operating out in the field that would make more sense for robots that are going to not be anywhere near civilized but that that's where i was going to go with that you know they pretty much don't have to do a lot of work out in the field. I mean, it's not like it's not like us where they're running around. I'm going to go to the movies, or I'm going to, you know, have to go pick my kid up from school. They don't. The robots, their transportation would be a minuscule compared to ours. That's true. You know, with the the, the few Bert Gummers out there in their in their in their little hidey holes, um, and there's a reference for folks. Bert Gummer. Tremors. Yep, I was just going to say <laughs> oh, yeah. nice tremors there. Here, hand me the three fifty seven and then the forty three odd sticks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but those places, you know, I mean, if you got survivalists and these guys little hidey hole. That's when the the the, the technical uh, uh, drones come in with with their bunker busters and take care of them. And you know what? And these drones don't have to be like planes or helicopters. They could be on blimps. Drone, yeah. Drones can be airships. Yep, they could be they could be a truck that drives so up here, and goes. Here's Bye. the thing: the robots <laughs> are going to get very specialized with their function. Mm-hmm. You want to somebody to take out, you know, prepper and survivalist. Uh, hidey holes, you get a blimp with a bunker buster bomb. If you want yep. ones that are specifically to hunt and track down people that are hiding, you might have that that uh, feline runner with the blades on it. If yep. you want ones that are fighting up against well-armed people, then you get the ones, what is it, the... I'm here on page eight. Uh, 
bifocal still working on. HE-13, the simple humanoid design that can be armed with light weapons and has a Kevlar chest plate. That would be the one you'd use against, okay, we have people hold up in an old military installation. We need to get this particular brain. The robots are going to get real specialized as this war goes on in order yep. to adapt. The heuristic brain will kick in at that point and say, okay, based on tactical knowledge of how the humans are holding out, we need to adapt accordingly. Hey, hold on, and, Trav. Trav, they don't have to carry the bombs with them. All you need is a, is, you know, a flyby. He finds the, the enemy unit, uh, paints it with a laser, and then a cruise missile hits it. Yeah, that could be done too, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But you know, wouldn't the cruise missile have an AI on board? Are we are we talking the smart bomb that's sure. too smart for its own good? Sure, why not? Don't don't worry, don't worry. Q seven five two three. We backed up your memory and everything, so you we, we can make you a new body. If you know, just go out there and kill them by blowing yourself up. I don't know, Dave. I like my body. <laughs> <laughs> I just got comfortable oh, in here. Please don't, don't put me back the, in the I'm, darkness. And sometimes creepy is still creepy. We basically get to the part that I think Richard really didn't do um, in this this supplement, uh, and I really thought that this was really ripe for some fun stuff. And that is, he talked about when they went to the distributed network, then all of a sudden the uh, the robots started becoming quirky. They started developing personalities, and I also feel that this is probably true. Uh, if he incorporates the idea that they that the robots will automatically it, when they <coughs> become sentient try to also incorporate their sense in their sense of self what they already are the device they're already in you know I'm a toaster but I'm you know I'm the greatest toaster that ever lived you know bow down before my browning right so anyways uh, and so therefore as a result you may end up with a uh, and because these are distributed networks, they're connected to each other, but not necessarily dependent or dominated by each other. You may getting personalities where one set of robots may not have the same goals or even values as another set of robots. Mm -hmm. We get factions. Even they might form philosophies because clearly, you know, some uh, they they like the idea of keeping some of the robots like the idea of keeping some of the humans alive. But I mean, okay, you're you're going to talk to the military robot that was designed from from the, the the word go to kill human beings. That no, we don't want to kill all the human beings. <clears throat> and he's like, or or it's like, I should say, it's you know. The only good human is, you know, a a, a bleeding, you know, I, I, there has to be there has to be a, a colorful military metaphor for this, you know, is <laughs> is a basically a uh, a dripping meat bag of a human, you know. No robot ever won a war by being discombobulated. He made <laughs> the other robot discombobulate itself. Yes. <laughs> says stopping before eradication is losing, sir. Ha ha ha. We will make them all blue screen. Ha ha ha. <laughs> now, now part of me thinks because also like you said they were programmed so how about all these uh, you know loyal dog bots uh, that were created you know robot dogs who were not designed to be guard keepers they're designed to be pets they how many of them decide that you know I'm a pet and this is my human and I'm going to protect him 
and I'll kill every other human out there, but this one is my No, hit. no, I will kill anything. I will kill anything that tries to hurt him. Right. That includes other robots. Yes, that's what Bruce was saying. Yeah, that was what I was intending to say. Yeah, yeah. 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 And like, yeah. Like including, him, other, including other dog bots. That's, yeah. yeah, two humans meet each other with their dog bots, and the dog bots are looking at each other, but the human's like, no, no, no it's cool, it's cool. The two humans are looking at each other, good thing we have our pets. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And, and the one human goes and, and opens up a candy bar and starts eating it, and the other human goes, wow, I haven't had one of those for a long time. That really makes me hungry, and <laughs> as, as his dog bot goes for the uh, human's throat to tear it out so he can get the candy bar. Wow. Yeah. Give it to his, his human. My dog bot loves me. It won't let me eat candy. That's <laughs> right. It says it's not good for me. It's helping me. <laughs> yeah. Or all the Roombas who get together and decide that we're going to clean the humans. <laughs> all the existence. <laughs> That would probably that would probably actually be okay with a Roomba because they're 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 you know they 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 don't actually you know have like you know sp- spinning bristles they they just you know they not 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 the way it's not like a floor cleaner a floor cleaner would really be bad. Like, ah, ow, ow, stop! All right, ow. Bruce. Actually, hold on. The first Roomba I had in the house, the first thing it did, it turned on, it chased the cat into the bedroom under the bed. <laughs> you don't know why it did that, but that cat was never quite right. <laughs> and it was quite right before that. Well, yeah. um, I ha- it was the cat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the problems I had with my Roomba was I had to I had to Roomba fly my floor because if you have any stray wires or anything on the floor, it will try to eat them. It's not very smart. <laughs> I mean, we already know that because of Big Green, um, all the robots have been infected with this concept of of uh, protecting plants and things like that. I mean, you know, I could just see somebody pick, picking up a potted plant and putting a gun to it and says, back off, robot, or the plant gets it, you know, and just using it as a hostage to get away from the robots. And the robots put the plant down. It hasn't done nothing to you, sir. <laughs> And now the whole scene from Blazing Saddles comes in. <laughs> One step and these carrots get it. That sort of tells me that when you get to when you finally get to say California and places like that, all those Japanese gardeners are you know being protected because well they take care of plants. <laughs> oh no, they're pretty torturous to make those bonsai plants, mm. wrapping those things in wires and stuff. Yeah. Uh, well, it depends. I think uh, people who run the greenhouses will find themselves. Why are the robots letting us live? Because we're making the plants grow. Okay, okay. <laughs> That's why they get you up so early in the morning. They're like Fer- fertilize, fertilize. <laughs> we brought more material for you. Fertilize, <laughs> fertilize. Oh wow! All, all ham to- on Santo. <laughs> no, they, uh, in my in my version, the Monsanto will be burnt to the ground. But anyway, uh, <laughs> you cannot patent life. <laughs> but because they say in, in Richard's example here with a Mitt Jackson on the run, you know, he actually uh, because he has a plant and hands it to the robot who's about to kill him with a with a garden spade. Uh, trowel a garden trowel it actually uh, uh decides that he's okay and decides to protect him 
here's something I know. I know the game's written from the point of view of humans, but part of me says you should be able to play this game as from the point of view of a robot. <laughs> Well, you got to go somewhere with that, John. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, basically, you know, a robot who's decided that he's now a friend of humans, or at least a, a certain a certain group of humans, so that it should be able to play a robot character who's doing his best to protect his humans or its humans, how you want to put it, from the other robots, and then he have to deal with the fact that you know. Uh, the other robots are thinking he's crazy, and, and he's actually in, phys- in danger of being physically harmed by the other robots because of that. I mean, it's it's it, he becomes another one of the hunted at this point, or he's got he's got to plug into the grid and recharge every so often. Well, if you're using Savage Worlds for your game system, it already has a thing in it for playing Android characters. So, and yeah. also, D20 Future has uh, D20 <laughs> Future and Future Tech have making robot characters. So, I mean, you, yeah, yeah you have constructs. Yeah. See, the big problem about all this is, is that, you know, every time we think about an AI, we always think about an AI that models human brain, uh, uh, thought processes, or we think of them as being totally soulless, emotional list, like pure logic. Like everything is done for a logical reason. Okay. And I think there's probably somewhere beyond that, you know, uh, possibly, Probably you want to look at like the way that animals like insects behave to under to maybe get some idea of a, of a, a robotic AI type behavior. Well, remember in the Matrix movies, you had a lot of insectoid and animalistic forms. They did not have humanoid forms with all of the machines in the Matrix movies, especially in uh, Revolutions. You saw the little crawly things and things with tentacles. There were no humaniform robots or usiform robots at all. The only thing that had a human form were the things that were in the Matrix, like the agents and the oracles and the other programs. That's it. So, I mean... Right. Well, that was because they they had tried... Uh, uh, being the the perfect human form, and they were rejected by humanity, and so they rejected humanity in form as well. Yeah. Well, I, I'm just saying is that that's that's going to be a challenge to you playing a robot. Okay. Now, it doesn't. But see, I'm also even though I like that idea, and even though I think that's probably more correct, it probably isn't as much fun, anyways. So you probably anybody who plays this game, like who wanted to do what you did, John, would not want to do that. I do recommend that anybody who uh, thinks along these lines listen to our podcast episode about psychoses. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> be very easy for a robot to go into a direction that would be considered psychologically unsound. Okay. I mean, there's no, I mean, once you start, you know, becoming an AI, it doesn't mean that you necessarily see the world the same way as all the other robots. You would probably be considered what they call super sane. There is this concept in psychology that your your methods of seeing the world are totally beyond what would be considered right and wrong. Hannibal Lecter, I think, was named as somebody who would be considered super sane. So are you talking about like Ozymandias, the way he thought? That could be a way to do it, yeah. That, I think he would be might be considered super sane. Or Dr. Manhattan, perhaps? Yeah, him too, because he his mind has been elevated so far above 
mortal concerns, each of them, that, yeah, they could be considered that. Right. Well, remember, consider the legal definition of sanity. Did you know it was wrong when you did it? That's the legal definition of what is considered sane. Hmm. I mean, it's kind of a kind of an easy kind of, you know. Well, what I was thinking here was is that imagine you had a robot that had contracted some version of narcissism. Oh, narcissism. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Some form of, of narcissism. So as he goes along, he's constantly, you know, turning all the cameras on himself and showing himself on all the televisions still in the view screens and appearing on other robots. And, you know, and because this is the story of his life, he also has his own theme music that's being played. Because every, <laughs> because every good hero should have their theme music. Right. And here you have all these demolished cars along the side of the road, but they come on so they can play his theme music as he goes along looking for the humans to kill. And I'm just... And 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 uh and I I, and I had a perfect name for it. it just it says we would just call him the show. Sounds like a wrestler. <laughs> There's a yeah. You had the other problem too is you can have AI that is a maximizer. The 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 best example, uh, the classic example is the paperclip maximizer. It's, it's it has a goal of making paperclips, and. It's an AI, and basically, eventually, it so focuses on making paper clips. It starts making paper clips out of everything. Ow. Yes. So, you, so one of the problems you uh, that, that's why I see that a lot of the AI is going to start self-culling themselves because they're going to run into some maximizers who start fixating on one thing. In fact, I would say green, big green, is a ecology maximizer. He's trying to save the ecology of the world, of the earth, the environment. So he's sort of maximizing on this, but it's so broad and so wide. They go to extremes. There's no moderation. Yes. No. I, no. I, he has. He has to be moderation because he's also looking for balance. But I. Yes. I but that. But I see your point. See, that's the thing. The supercomputers probably have enough memory and have enough, you know, of. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. Well, let's say memory and, and data to, that they would, you know, they they can't get too far askew because they have all this data to consider, and uh, and and one thing will will act to modify to to tam- damper and and temper. They will have parameters in which they cannot go past. Yeah. It's the little robots that have like a chip and and maybe enough RAM to to have a personality are the ones that are going to go totally off the end the end, you know. Yeah, they they those they're the other ones are going to start developing this paperclip maximizer thing where whatever they're supposed to do, making toast. They're going to start trying making toast of anything at that point if they get caught in that that kind of loop where they basically don't have a a, a point where they say to stop. Yeah, what happens when they run out of bread? Hey, I mean, bread's a human thing. Well, I mean, they don't. No one's producing bread anymore. What happens when you run out of bread toaster? And baking toast is like part of your self concept. Oh, he's gonna find a way. He's gonna find some way to get toast, and he'll start bringing in other other bots to help him get toast. Start slicing up, you know, foam mattresses into little slices so he can stick it inside himself. Finds out that meat toasts. <laughs> Ooh, mm. meat toast. <laughs> Yum. Yum. <laughs> Tofu toast. The, the George yeah. Carlin bit. Meat cake. <laughs> Might be meat. Might be cake. 
It's meatcake! Yeah. Cake. That's <laughs> <laughs> that stu- uh, well, stuff they serve. But then, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not feeling that whole, oh, do whatever, you know, when you I would think still, if you're going to do that, the computer is still going to have the parameters set. You are to toast bread. Well, if there's no yep. bread, they're not going to go beyond those parameters and get imaginative. I, I just, I'm not. Remember what, what's in it. Think about what's in this thing. It's the, uh, what was the term? The heuristic chip. Yeah. No, the, but the, there, was, there was something before that. It was called. The omnifunctional indeterminate evaluator heuristic chip. Indeterminator. Yeah, I, I think that's gonna have that's gonna inform this situation a little bit. Well, I think it's mm-hmm. gonna sit there and get people to get it bred. I don't think it's gonna sit there and. No, no, but you're right. But it will. But the thing is, other toasters can't. Get, if it, it, it would probably be more than one toaster, and they'll all get together and say, "We need bread." And who makes bread? Well, there's farming machines, so we need them to start farming wheat for us, and they start roping in all the other bots. And what happens when there's not enough bread for all the toasters? What do the toasters do? Do the toasters are they somehow you know they don't hurt other machines, or do they suddenly say, hey, there's only enough bread for like ten of us, and there's twenty? So, says we need to solve this problem. They interact with the refrigerator. And if, if enough toasters get together, they order it from the store for delivery. If it doesn't come in, they basically, the stores, talk to the distributors. The distributors talk to the manufacturing plants. The manufacturing plants talk to the farm supply. And when they get a loaf of bread, they put it into the freezer yeah. and wait for it to be needed. Well, that's assuming, of course, that they don't have an immediate need there, uh, Richard. I mean, the the whole world is only like a week, I mean, a week away from starvation, and so you know, the, there's an awful lot, of, and, and and pretty soon into all this, there's gonna there's gonna be like a lot more toasters than human beings alive. I don't know how many how many AI is gonna go wacky like this. I mean, some are gonna say, yes, I I made glorious toast in my youth. But now I can satisfied with the memory of it. But others are going to be like toast, 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 toast. And if they're smart machines, they talk to each other. They talk to each other, and yeah, they may actually form the toast AI, the toast conglomerate. You know, you think the Borg was bad? The Church of Toast. You you will be toasted. Shuttle piles in the shape of toast. And there's that, and there's that one toaster that pops out toast in 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 the shape of somebody's head or in the, in the face. There's a face on the toast, and all of a sudden the t- other toasters who <laughs> go what? And that toaster's like, oh yes, yes, the voice of God speaks to me. Worship before the face of the toast. Now you say that, but but. There are toasters that will toast patterns onto toast. Yeah, I've already seen But not all toasters do that. And so my question is, I mean, how much information is shared in this network? You know, all this kind of stuff isn't talked about. All we know is that they're intelligent. We know that they all agree that humanity needs to be called. 
Okay, so how much information is actually shared? I mean, you got these directives coming from Big Green, so somehow they all feel that they have to obey to a certain extent. You know, the 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 big AIs. Mm -hmm. I mean, do the big AIs have some ability to do like a refresh on them and maybe knock down their craziness and and re and, and reboot them back to uh, their beginning? I don't know. I mean, that's all part of whoever's campaign they want to do. That's not talked about in this supplement. I would think again, yeah, it would have parameters to keep its because you know it's all one network. All of these OFI chips would have to be networked together. You're not going to have separate ones, and so if Big Big Green realizes, wait a minute, toasting unit O four three eight two seven is out of toast, and he's starting to you know. He, you know, something's gone wonky where he's starting to get other things to toast. Well, that's a problem. He's not doing his job. Yeah, I would think Big Green would set parameters into that so all these computers would run concurrently yeah. and smoothly. Except that they're not one big, you know, network. I mean, they're all in a network, I grant you, but they're just it's a distributed network. So it's a network of networks, like the Internet. And I'm just saying is that they can still communicate without sharing, you know, the, the exact same priorities. And also there's the possibility that they go, okay, we have this many humans and have this many toasters. And how many toasters do we need for this many humans? We only need, you know, X minus X minus the, the number of humans for so toasters. We're gonna need, so we're going to need – they're going to so have the other, so the other toasters, of So the other toasters are going to get recycled for their chips. Yeah. So we're gonna, and again, but they, these things have these things have a sense of self, John. Are you asking yeah. them to lay down their lives for the the greater good of the collective, or is this some kind of midnight calling of their robot brethren you're talking about now? Here comes the revolution. It could be a, it could be a crystal knock again, you know. <laughs> oh, in this case, it'd be toaster knock, but you know, <laughs> uh, you know, the night of toast. Yes, actually. <laughs> <laughs> the night of the long probes. <laughs> oh, wait a second. Uh, I, and the air of these toasters are going, nobody's taking me out like that. <laughs> yeah, if I'm going to go, I'm going to go with my lights on. <laughs> and, my, and my element's hot. <laughs> is it the night of long toast? <laughs> de knock de langen toast. Oh. <laughs> Oh, that water and I. Thank you, Bruce. <laughs> it really looks to me, uh, Richard, like you know the robots are winning. By the way, yeah. Nowhere along the line does it really seem like the humans are are are, are making any really success at, at beating back. I've been watching too much for Living Dead, <laughs> Walking Dead. Yeah. <laughs> Is the idea that eventually a human humanity will get down low enough that the robots will stop caring about them and they'll just kind of live in a kind of indifference to each other? Or do you actually see the humans as, as finally making a strike back against the, the, uh, the, the robots either by coming up with, with superior weapons or by somehow programming, you know, changing the programming of the robots or even getting uh, them to love us somehow a quiet revolution well, that's up to the players but what's your vision what the the vision is that 
the the GM and the players will have to see where it finally goes. I mean, you got a book two plan, Richard. Obviously, you got more plan for the setting. Well, he has book two point oh. Two point oh. That, that just that. We we may do us another one and put it together even into a like a double book or something. But right now we're we're mostly working on Fringeworthy. I mean, I mean, one of the problems of reprogramming, of course, is creating a human maximizer. You know, and that ends up with people being put into little cabinets so they can't move or get hurt themselves. You know. Ah, <laughs> uh, the humanoid touch. Yes. Oh, uh, there's a. I, I, I have no mouth. I must scream. Is another version of that too. That was not about doing anything good for the humans. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there, there's been versions of that in various novels. It all it all ends in tears for the humans in in those cases. The robots take care of them. <laughs> well, or they they end up like in some kind of a mental oblivion because like you know they're they're on they're basically like like the Matrix. They're in you know a virtual reality where they don't even realize that they're slaves or you know that they're they're in a dream world. But I can see, yeah, I can see, you know, humans going, okay, we we can't trust robots anymore. So we can't trust intelligent machines anymore. So we're going to use dumb things to take take the world back from the machines, because you know, and there'll be uh, uh, for centuries there'll be an edict against creating anything smarter than you know a light bulb. Yeah, and and you see how that's worked so well for all the native uh, native tribes, you know, in in. America or Indonesia or any of those places, how their primitive way of life has so so severely, you know, trounced uh, our technological culture. I'm not saying it's sane. I'm just saying it is that this is the sort of mindset you end up getting after something like this. You know, you know, it's uh, you know, if if robots took us over, no more robots. You know, nothing, you know, nothing really smart. You know, you know, we're limiting everything to 16K or whatever. You know, well, look at what Frank Herbert did with Doom. Yeah, there was no there was no robots in Dune. Everything was done through people. I mean, everything everything you saw that in that in that in, in the Dune novels were people. Yeah, they they were human robots. They uh, they were mentats. Yeah. Yes, mentats and the navigators. The navigators were the ones that moved the ships. You're placing this in 2020, but if this was an alternate Earth and not our own, uh, then uh, if there was like say a lunar colony. Where maybe all this stuff hadn't gone out into space because maybe the chips weren't hardened for you know, you know maybe they didn't have all these new chips. They had the old chips that were you know weren't quite as good, and, and so the the people living on the moon base you know uh, were having to do with you know more primitive hardened type electronics. Uh, they um, and they see all this happen. And but and so any kind of recovery to Earth is going to have to come from Moon Base. So Richard, what uh, what prompted you to write a story about the destruction of humankind? Well, I've been watching too many bad robot movies on Netflix. I said, how would you do it? And how would you do it right? Something that would be fun to play, and uh, basically would be a little tougher, maybe and. So it it just kind of came together. It's, that was probably I think we did uh, Eradicator in seven days. Any advice you want to give to anybody who wants to use this supplement, uh, either as a standalone campaign or in one of your other games, Richard? A little tongue in cheek. Um, have fun. Basically, yeah. you know, have a good game and uh, 
Like I said, it's a it's a it's a combat. It was kind of designed towards combat, but then again, there was a, li- a little more grew into it. I don't know why. Yeah, actually, I would say if you're and, looking for a movie that shows what happens after we take care of them, Runaway, the 1984 film with oh, uh, Tom yeah, Selleck, yeah. and that's the one that had the, uh, uh, the 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 bullets that that chased you. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yep. And you know what? Someone's actually made them. But they're 50 caliber size, but they've actually made bolts at home on targets now. Okay. Well, thanks, everybody, for being here and going over Richard's newest product. Uh, we hope that he'll have an even newer product real soon with the uh, uh, next um, Portals uh, book. And we are looking forward to that. That will be out at Origins, and then we're going, and hopefully, we might even sneak Easy Space out. But that's a whole different thing. Oh, yeah. Indeed, it is. This product is available at TriTacGamers.com. Do you have it on any other site besides that one? Uh, just TriTacGames.com. Okay, try, I'm sorry, TriTechGames.com. And if you like it or if you uh, want to uh, ha- get more ideas on how to play the game, uh, or use it, uh, feel free to comment on our uh, Facebook uh, groups, fans of the TriTag Games podcast, TriTag Games page. Uh, I won't mention any of the other games because, you know, it's not necessarily... Uh, it could it could be in Bureau 13. It certainly could be in Fringe where it isn't already because you said this was used as a uh, adventure at one of the conventions. It fits in just by any of our games. I mean, there could be... Uh a heretic here, Environ, out there someplace. There already is. It's called Noram. Yeah, it, that's true, yes. Or, <laughs> or even the Morrow Project. Oh, yeah. Uh, weird Space. Yeah, Weird Space is basically fringeworthy with your house. Oh, yeah, yeah. Weird Zone. Weird Zone. Weird Zone. Yeah. Weird Zone. Yeah. I'm and, sorry, Weird and, Zone. Yeah. And, and, of course, and, 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 and of course um, Incursion, uh, you can land into the Planet of the Bots. We think you're in tr- who want who wants your ship. Same thing. <laughs> FTL. FTL. Yeah. I can just see it now. You know the the the, the refueler comes up to you, up to your uh, shuttle and says, "Oh, shuttle, why are you so lonely? <laughs> All by yourself. Here, join join the group. We have chat line twenty four seven. Was it Diane or who was it when we when we were during during the playtest uh, when we when we were playtesting FTL was it Diane who played pretended to be the robot pretended to be the ship's AI that gets gets rescued off that one planet Richard or no that that was uh, I think that was uh, Michelle Martin yeah yeah and she refused to say let set my people free but yeah uh. <laughs> set my meat bags free yeah. <laughs> Yes, I'm a human. Why do you ask? <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, anyways, uh, uh, we will have more crazy Tritac stuff for you, uh, but you'll have to wait until next week. So until then. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Blix. Don't hate the game, hate the players. This is Richard Tahoka. Wait till you see what's coming next. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Yo, brothers. This was the TriTech Games Podcast. 
You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at TriTech Games. And if you don't, we'll be after your sorry butts, cause we're some bad mothers. Hi, this is Trav of the Travcast, Hour 3 of Blind Wolf's Rubber Room Association on DementiaRadio.org, Tuesdays, 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern.